Institute of World Mission podcast. You're listening to the show for Adventist cross-cultural mission enthusiasts. My name is Alex Ott, and together with the IWM team, we invite you to join us today. This podcast is a production of the Institute of World Mission brought to you with support of the General Conference Missions Family of Ministries and Services. This is the Institute of World Mission podcast, and today I'm joined by Wagner Kuhn. Wagner is a professor of mission and intercultural studies and chair of the Department of World Mission at Andrews University. Wagner had been in cross-cultural service as ADRA country director in one of the Caucasus countries for many years. A special portion, special for me, for us at the Institute in this case, is that Wagner's has in his history the fact that he had served with the Institute of World Mission for a number of years. Wagner, it's great to have you here today, uh, and welcome to the IWM podcast. It's nice to be here. So look, we know that many of our listeners are professionals. They are teachers, nurses, development specialists, physicians, and engineers, business managers, many others. I know for a fact that the listeners of this podcast are not merely content to fulfill their professional tasks. They also have a passion. They have an interest in witnessing cross-culturally. So, Wagner, in your experience of aid and development, have you felt maybe a disconnect with frontline mission and cross-cultural witnessing? If yes, how did you deal with that? Yes, I think uh, the question is very uh, pertinent in the sense that sometimes we or many people believe that humanitarian work, for example, is done by secular agencies and that these agencies should not uh, mix their work with religious work. Mm-hmm. Uh, thus, you know, the, the avoidance of, of witnessing more overtly. But I have found that, for example, for you to, to construct or to build a program that is very integrated in all aspects of life, you know, like humanity or uh, individuals, you know, persons are a whole being, you know, they are right. whole beings, you know, f- physically, socially, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, and so forth. You know, we belong in one body. Uh, they have major needs, not only needs for a physical aid, you know, or development programs, they have also uh, needs that are related to, you know, moral values, how mm-hmm. a community is built and is sustained, you know, socially, uh, laws that will protect them from being exterminated, you know, so thou shalt not kill. Mm-hmm. It's a law that is applicable in any community, Mm-hmm. And you can say, well, but isn't that a, a law from the Bible? Right. So, yes, you can apply, you know, biblical principles, you know, or principles that are of moral foundation to a humanitarian work uh, without being overtly, you know, like uh, engaging in uh, proselytism, for example. And you can be a cross-cultural uh, worker or witness or someone that witnesses Wagner, you just uh, mentioned a word, proselytism. Now, this this is something that many governments ban. They don't allow any proselytism. There's so many laws out there that say that this cannot be done, especially in, in, in many of the unreached countries. Could you help us to define this word? What does it mean to proselytize? 
Well, let's make a, a distinction here. Usually proselytism is the act of, of going and trying to convert one person from one religion to another religion, mm -hmm. uh, taking them from their allegiance to a certain you know, uh, uh, view or to a certain uh, uh, religion or, or beliefs and to move them away from Mm -hmm. implying that they will also reject their culture, reject their nationality, reject uh, their customs of, of life. And many governments say no, no to proselytism. But what does that then mean to, to witness? Right, exactly. To that. bear witness, you know, to be someone who will bring a more integrated perspective on life, you know, witnessing for life, towards life, and towards light, You know, and then we we can say, you know, towards God. Mm -hmm. How can you witness towards life and light and then towards God? In that sense, is by preserving life. It's by helping one another. You can bring, you know, many, many examples from the Old Testament without doing any proselytism, by doing a witness. You, with your hands and your feet and your whole body, you know, by embracing people, by supporting them, by providing to their needs, by working side by side, you can be a witness of God without talking about religion or much less about proselytism. So what I'm hearing from you is that there can be a great difference between proselytism as the government see it and the genuine witnessing, uh, wholesome witnessing as it can be done. Do I hear this correctly? Absolutely. And uh, you can apply many things from both the Old Testament and the New Testament, biblical uh, examples very clearly of people who were trying to be, you know, the salt of the earth. But yeah, look, this, this brings me um, to another question here. Uh, an expat physician is not a professional church planter. A nurse uh, who, is doing, who, who is working in the hospital out there in an Adventist hospital serving people is not a professional church plant. You went overseas with the task to set up an Adra country office, not to plant a movement in an unreached people group. So the question is here, is there a place for professionals in the spiritual work? How would you describe if there is? How would you describe it? Absolutely. For example, most of the, the servants of God from the Bible, you know, they were from different kinds of professions, for different backgrounds. You know, some of them worked in agriculture, other ones were more versed, you know, but they became prophets of God. And you talk about prophets, you know, is this a spiritual work? And they came from a setting, you know, and, and uh, so you can see, for example, physicians, uh, nurses, Uh, look at many examples in the Bible. You know, for example, only uh, there are about 2,000 references to helping the poor, to helping the needy, to be with the orphan, the widow, the sick, the, the foreigner, you know, the refugee. And these are uh, professions, uh, you know, as you mentioned, that are in the for, uh, front line of mission. For example, in the Old Testament, you have who is the closest person near you that you help. And you kind of have these concentric circles, you know, helping first who? The orphan. And then next, the widow. And then the sick. And then the blind. And then, you know, the foreigner and the poor. And then the stranger. Mm -hmm. In the New Testament, you have, you know, first where? In Jerusalem, 
in Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. So witnessing takes different forms. It takes you. It takes your whole being, you know, not only uh, witnessing quietly, but also the gospel needs a voice as you were ministering to the needs of those who suffer, as you are being a lawyer, defending the cause of the oppressed, your voice, your attitude, your protection of the rights of humanity is a witness of a God who cares, a God who loves. So, Vanya, if I hear you correctly, we actually um, receive an opportunity to say so much more once we really care. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Absolutely. And you care with your life. You care with your profession. You, you care with what you really know how to do. I, for example, am not a medical doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I cannot do certain things as an engineer does, nor as a, as a, a great teacher does. You know, building a whole nation by teaching children as they will be the next leaders. So I have a great admiration for professionals of all kinds. They are in their secular positions, and I use the word secular, mean their day-to-day -day activities, you know, as they further their right. gifts into helping others with their uh, positions. So they are the greatest uh, missionaries, I would put, put in that way. The, the ones who witness the most to humanity because they deal every day with people of all walks of life right. and they can witness right so Bonnier, um <clears throat> what we are trying to uh, highlight right now is that those uh, who are in the mission field who are professionals they have a tremendous opportunity to approach people when they serve them when they do things for them um, so not to not to put this into a negative light at all by my next question um, yet it does happen many times when uh, a lot of people are saying, I witness with my life. Is there all to it? Is, is, is that all to it? Well, we, we could say, you know, that in certain specific uh, conditions, in uh, certain areas of the world where there are major restrictions, you need to be very careful how to go about. So yes, you will witness with your life, with your profession, with what you do, much more than with many, many words. Mm -hmm. But I would say that even though you can choose words appropriately and rightly, and the gospel needs a voice, mm -hmm. the gospel needs a language, you know, a voice to tell others. It can be through prayer for the sick. It can be through mm -hmm. encouragement. It can be uh, through, you know, someone who knows how to counsel people in crisis of war, you know, refugees who are uh, in chaotic situation. You know, you have those professional psychologists, you know, psychiatrists who are counseling people. It can be by just being a, a physical edu educa education teacher, mm -hmm. you know. But in the end, yes, you need the voice. That's why, you know, before even the fall, God has given us language, so language is something amazing that it needs to be used to further right. witnessing. But you can choose the words. That's why God gives us the Holy Spirit. We'll talk a little more uh, with you about that. Before, before trying to dig a little deeper into this particular thing, how you, how you involve words, right? How do you, how do you actually do witness? Um, I do have a question that I'd like to ask first. And this is this. 
It is not seldom that the organization that the cross-cultural professional serves has to separate or even exclude witnessing activities. This is true for many reasons, like government regulations, donor expectations, and so on. So you've been in that, I know, you've, you, you've been through this. How to deal with that? It's, it's funny that you asked me this question, you know, how to deal with we will need a lot of wisdom and experience will tell us, also the Bible will tell us, but in, in some situations only the Holy Spirit. And, and somehow we haven't planned this interview in details and I, I never thought of before what I'm going to say it now. But I had a very intriguing and very interesting experience when someone really pushed me saying, you know, Adra is an agency of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mm-hmm. And therefore, Adra is part of a religious edu- a religious institution, and I could not disagree with that because it is true. And and he challenged me and charged me. Therefore, Adra needs to work uh, with the church, and those involved in humanitarian work must be only a secular agency, not related to the church. And I was puzzled with that. And we tried to reason. And finally he said, no, no, no. Uh, A humanitarian agency must be secular. Mm -hmm. And finally I asked him, listen, uh, for example, in in a context where people are, let's say, Muslims, and they come to a hospital, they do treatment, they are very, very sick, they get treated, they are medicated, and doctors talk with them and, and treat them, and the nurses and so forth. And they leave the hospital, they recover. To whom they thank, to whom they bring thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really pushed the person who was, who was challenging me with that, and the person did not want to answer. Finally, the person uh, said, yes, I understand. They thank Allah, they thank God. Mm-hmm. So I said, is that development work, is that medical work spiritual or just secular, if they are thanking God? So in that sense, you know, it's not just a secular work. And uh, witnessing takes all dimensions. Even if you are thinking you are just doing a secular profession, you know, helping someone with uh, your lawyer's uh, counseling or with your psychology skills or with your teaching, you know, children. Um, it's, it is a spiritual work because we are spiritual beings as well, as, as much as we are physical, as much as we are social. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, is God a social God? a spiritual person, uh, just a physical person, you know, we need to be careful how we speculate into that, you know, but God can, can be considered all of that plus because he is divine right. and he is eternal, you know. So, Wagner, when you were in the mission field and um, led uh, an office, um, can you share with our listeners maybe just a, a, a short situation or two when, when you brought people to your house, or maybe prayed with them, or, uh, or did something else that, that actually pointed people, helped them to understand what God is doing in their lives. There is always, you know, many stories, many experiences, you know, that you go through, and I could relate to several of them. But I remember one lady one day, you know, she came all the way 
from a long place, and she even camped near our office there, you know, a couple of days. It was summertime, so this was not cold because temperatures uh, could uh, go several degrees be below freezing, you know, in the, in the winter in the mountains. And she was there because she just wanted to thank Adra, to thank us, you know, for being there. This was a lady that benefited from microcredit. Mm-hmm. And this is a very technical program, you know, the disbursement of loans and, right. uh, and credit, you know. And she was there and she said, you know, I doubled the size of my little house that I got from, from uh, as a refugee. And I wanted you to, to come and see the house. Mm-hmm. And she said something that I will never forget. She said, you know, God brought you. Mm-hmm. from far away to come and help us. Because after I went through the training, I, I started to reorganize my life. I used to live in chaos, total chaos. And then she asked questions about God, you know. Hmm. And it was interesting that uh, she was full of thanksgiving, full of joy, you know, recognition. She, she even brought some gifts and this is one story, you know, another lady, I remember going to visit them in a food distribution that you can say this is more emergency, right, you know? yeah. it's aid, it's emergency. And sometimes people are against, you know, working with, you know, like relief only, you need development, but you need everything from chaos, you know, to order and then development and so forth. And she came and uh, I was visiting and, and she's, I asked her, you know, who is giving, who do you know is giving this food? And she was very knowledgeable. She knew that it was given by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. It was uh, organized through ADRA and transported and brought to, to them. And finally, you know, I asked the question about, you know, her family, her many kids. You know, she was a widow because her husband had died in the war and she had several kids. The two sons had been uh, um, they died also of malnutrition because of the severe winters and the famine and so forth. And finally, I asked her, who is the donor? And she answered me of something that I will never forget. The donor is uh, the American uh, people. They are very good people in, in a way. And uh, how did this happen? And she said, well, they gave their blood and with their blood, who was sold, you know, for, for usage in clinics and mm-hmm. hospitals, you guys organized and you bought food and you brought us. And this saved our lives. Very interesting perspective. Yeah. And, and she was like, God brought you guys here to save our lives. And I was tempted to link. It's the blood of Christ right. who gives life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't need to speak overtly. Mm-hmm. But you can make connections, you know, with the love of God. Mm-hmm. So many of these experiences I could share that, that people are part of the web of humanity. And we are alike each other no matter where we are and in what circumstances we are. Sometimes I'm on the side of, of help. Right. Sometimes I can extend help. But all of these experiences shape my life because probably... I was as much helped as them in the mm-hmm. act of being involved. Um, when, when the professional is out there uh, serving, it really helps him or her to be known as a spiritual person. It's not like they're even witnessing. It's not like they are uh, proselytizing anybody, but they are 
a believer. They are known as a believer, as a person of prayer, as a person of principle. Um, how would you connect this kind of uh, behavior or posture with, uh, with a professional career out there? I think there is no uh, separation. You, know, you need to be authentic in, mm-hmm. your, in your profession and you need to be authentic in, in your faith. For example, if you are working in, in most places, you know, people are very spiritual in, in this world. There are many, many, many uh, countries, you know, that uh, link their religion with their identity and so forth and so on. And even though your religion is, could be very difficult, different, and your, mm-hmm. your culture very different, but uh, people are looking for authenticity. Are you following? Are you uh, demonstrating in your own life the tenets of your faith? Right. Uh, so they are looking for that. And in many times, you know, when, when I would offer in, in different places, I w- would offer uh, a prayer, you know, dealing with government officials. They were very open to accept it. You know, very, very few would ever uh, reject or, or would say, you know, not now or thank you, but later on. Because people also want to connect with God. So in, in that sense, uh, I would uh, say, Alex, that uh, people are, can be authentic in their profession, at the same time in their walk, their spiritual walk, their walk, walk, walk with God. And that authenticity is probably sometimes one of the best witnesses. One last question, Wagner. Um, we know that working cross-culturally, ministering cross-culturally, if there's any impact to be done on people spiritually, there's got to be a friendship. Yes, some things are possible when we just see a person for a little bit, but a friendship is a necessity. So that's a statement, and here is a question. How would you advise our professionals in the mission field to go about building a friendship that can become a nurturing place for, for witnessing, for genuine witnessing? Thank you for the question. It is a, is a, is a great one, but it's a challenging question. Because uh, to build friendship, it, it requires uh, time, mm-hmm. and it requires trust, and it requires understanding. It requires the ability to uh, sometimes speak a different language. Mm-hmm. It requires a connection with the person, you know, in a sense of you need to learn what the person, what the other person, how it works, how the person thinks and reacts. So, but for friendship to be established, you know, it must be love. It must be a demonstration of love that you care for that person. And, and trust comes through love. Trust comes through, you know, a established relation, a long time, a persevering with that person, you know, so that for you to be together, for you to, to spend a, a long time together is because some, somehow it clicked. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will not be together. And it clicked because it, it, it has been established on trust and on giving and receiving and on uh, understanding. We as uh, Seventh-day Adventists, you know, as, as missionaries, we are looking forward and towards the second coming of Jesus. But mm-hmm. how do you live in that hope uh, every week, every day of the week, in your, in, your, uh, in your profession, in your work? I would say the following, you know, one of the, one of the things that inspires me quite a lot 
is that when Jesus sends out the, the 70 or the 72, you know, in Luke 10 and other passages there of the New Testament, as soon after the sending of the 70 and the 72, there is the Good Samaritan story. Mm-hmm. Also, in the context of uh, the, the coming of Jesus and the great judgment, there is, you know, Matthew 25, you know, 31 to 46, where you have the great judgment, where there is, you know, uh, when I was in prison, when I was hungry, when I was right. thirsty, and so forth. Uh, how do we await the second coming throughout every day of the week? I would say, you know, it is when we are concerned with the needs of the other that we go out during the week and we expectantly await for the second coming. But the Holy Spirit works through our lives in, you know, reaching and uh, touching others that and then on the weekend, on Sabbath, you know, you come back to your church and you praise God. You worship God on the, on the day that he wants us to rest because he's working. It's his work. It's his uh, doing in the front lines of mission through your hands, through your voice, through your body, you know, through your legs as you are the hands and the feet of Christ. I say in that way, you know, we can bring glory to God as we worship him and as we rest in him until he comes. Thank you, Wagner. Special thanks to Wagner for introducing us to an important theme today. We'll make numerous attempts in the future to further uncover this dynamic of being a professional in any field and at the same time having a genuine and appropriate and explicitly obvious spiritual radiance to our lives. This boils down not just to having spiritual influence, quote-unquote, but being that. Being a spiritual person and allowing it to show in a culturally appropriate way. At the Institute of World Mission, we believe that such a posture will open many doors, friends. More on this to come in the future episodes. So watch for that. At the moment of airing this episode, the IWM team is, so to say, in session. It's Mission Institute time. We have a tremendous group of missionaries and teens and kids from all over the globe gathered for three weeks of cross-cultural mission training. Please keep us in your prayers. We really do need that because we want to be safe here in the place where we are and healthy, and we want to be transformed. One last remark here. From time to time, members of our global community ask me if they could be helpful in any way. Perhaps you've also thought that. So we have a couple of ideas. With this podcast, we're not relying on being found on iTunes or other platforms. You see, we actually want to rely on your help, on your recommendations. Please give targeted personal recommendations to people you care about to look us up send them a link show them how to find this podcast your recommendation this week will be yet another link in a wonderful and mysterious process of the holy spirit building a community of missions practice thank you and we'll see you next week